the reviews are in and we're going to tell you what they are we've also got some awards yeah that's new anyway he's still todd vandenberg i'm rob Steele, and i'm going to start with quite possibly the worst news you're going to hear this week and it comes from a tv show that aired last week it has to do with the peacemaker which is a show i, I know i'm not watching it are you watching it i uh i actually just started watching it Okay. Well, in that case, you're going to be disappointed soon. Um, <laughs> the, the John Cena-led DC Extended Universe uh, thing that I, I, I'm not going to call it a series yet. I'm calling it a thing still. Last week's episode, they included a new character into the DC Extended Universe that, quite frankly, I didn't think they would ever do. And quite, I, I also thought they would, you know have forgotten about this character but no someone made an offhand comment uh to to john cena's peacemaker character about how he would rather be with anyone else right now and that includes batmite batmite <laughs> yep batmite. now if you don't know who batmite is i'm sure you've and you know the dc universe at all you probably know who mr mixus Pixlick is Basically, think him only with Batman. There you go. And yeah, apparently he is someone in the DCEU now. We didn't need watching Peacemaker is because James Gunn wrote all All of it, directed about half of it. And that's why I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot. I mean, yeah, the inclusion of Batmite. Now, granted, they only referenced Batmite. They didn't actually depict Batmite. That's terrifying that they put Batmite in there, but Gunn put it in there because he just wants to play, and he thought that would be hilarious. And as long as they don't actually try to do anything with Batmite, that's good, because Batmite is just... The Arrowverse did introduce Gleek. Yeah. Kind of. Although it was just a sound effect. (laughs) <laughs> and empty cage it had a, a label on it so i suppose that's something that's something we're just not sure what um which is kind of the the feeling i had about the the really the only one movie we're reviewing this week which is the matrix resurrection which <clears throat> you know i i've got something written up let me go ahead and do this bit then we'll get todd's opinion because that's how it goes. Uh, it's Matrix Resurrection. It's not bad. I mean, it looks pretty. I I loved Neil Patrick Harris in this. He was magnificent. And I'll try to do this spoiler-free. Also, I'll just say he's a great character. Uh, unlike General Niobe. And frankly, I think that's mainly because I do not get Jada Pink- Pinkett Smith. Uh, Niobe was cool in Matrix 2, but she wasn't likable. She wasn't likable in Matrix 3, and she continues to be unlikable to this day in anything I can recall her in. And I, I don't know if that's on purpose or not. Um, it's just a thing. <laughs> I don't know if... The, it, anyway, uh, there were a few other things I was confused about in this movie, in that Christina Ricci played a character named Gwen Devere, and Freema Agamayan, I apologize for butchering your last name. I've never been able to do it. Anyway, she played Astra. Now, I did not find this out until I was watching the credits. 
And I do not recall seeing either actress, nor do I recall seeing any characters with those names. I love Christina Ricci. I love uh, Freema Agma, Agni, her. Her. But I didn't, I did, did you see them? I didn't see them. I don't recall the characters, but I, to be honest, I try to have tried very, very hard to uh, erase the memory of the two Matrix sequels before this. Because <laughs> at, at best, to me, they're eh, and at, at times they're awful. So I'll, I'll, I'll uh, add a little more okay. uh, as, as we talk about yeah. after, you, after you give me a review of the film. See, Resurrection, I thought, was good. Um, I don't think it wasn't it wasn't quite fun, but it had its moments. Uh, I was almost really happy about seeing Priyanka Chopra jo- Jonas. I can pronounce that, but not Freema Agmahan. Priyanka Chopra Jonas uh, as Satie, who was the little little girl program from the third Matrix in the subway scene, because I thought it was the same actress now grown up. And I thought that's very cool. And I'm wrong. It was originally played by Tanvir K. Atwal, who, according to IMDb, was last seen in 2006. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's how I am uh, looking at this film. Initially, I'm kind of happy about it. Then I saw it and was impressed with the effects. But ultimately, though, it wasn't as spectacular as I wanted. However, its message was one that we've been using on this show for quite a while, and it, which was we don't need all the reboots and everything. And it blatantly called out Warner Brothers on the torrent of reboots. That's a pun in there somewhere. Torrent <laughs> of reboots and sequels that we've got. You know, what happened to originality? Why can't we have anything new? So I think this film fit into that category perfectly. Now, there is also a lot of stuff saying it's a movie about transgenderism. And I didn't get it. I mean, if you want to go trans, go right ahead. I have no problem with that. That's a you thing. You do you. Go right ahead. But to me, this movie didn't have any more trans message than Freaky Friday or any of its bastardized clones did. And I say bastardized clones, not because trans thing is bad. I'm saying bastardized clones because the original Freaky Friday was actually pretty good. And the rest of them have been kind of crap. Right. It has nothing to do with the message. Everything <clears throat> to do with the movie. Yeah, there's a gender swap in there somewhere. Wow. That's so meta, apparently. I don't know. It wasn't a bad movie, but I was kind of hoping it would be. It, it, I still think it's probably the second best matrix movie because totally. i'll agree with you two two and three two was considerably better than three three i just thought was yes. crap. yeah two shouldn't have been made it was just a cash grab i mean despite their protestations it's like oh no we had this plan it's like george lucas had the had the huge overarching plan of the trilogy of trilogies which is why he had a brother and sister almost like sleep together because yeah he thought it all out yeah anyway <clears throat> um, totally agree. It's the second best Matrix movie, easily, almost by default. The problem I have with Matrix Resurrections is they should not have resurrected these second and third Matrix movies. All that part, all of that, they should have just ignored it, acted like it never happened, because that was the boring part of this film. And yeah. part of this film is boring when they have Trinity and Neo on screen. Absolutely aces. They were terrific. I agree with the Neil Patrick Harris as the architect. 
terrific. He might have been the best part of the movie. Uh, I didn't I, see I, the point. I really of, loved the, the stick the around for the end scene with the, with Neil Patrick Harris because that is a spectacular yes. scene. Yeah, uh, the recasting. Not on board with the recasting. It's not that they didn't do well, but I why found couldn't out you get why Larry they Fishburne to come back? They the reason they did not bring Lawrence Fishburne back immediately. <clears throat> Is because uh, they killed the killed the character of Morpheus in one of the Matrix video games, ah. and they thought they wanted that to be <clears throat> canon, yeah, whatever. So they uh, they left him dead and brought back the new guy. So even though the new guy, spoiler alert, is a construct, they couldn't justify that the construct looks just like the original. Okay, that makes perfect sense, except it doesn't. That's just bullshit. I didn't say it made perfect sense. I said that's why they did it. That's their, that's their horrible <laughs> rationalization. Now, I know I didn't bring Hugo Weaving back because you said, no, I'm not going to do it. Right. However, and the, guy, and the guy does a good job, but it's like there's one person, one person on the planet who can say Mr. Anderson and make it a memorable line wasn't the guy who did it in this film. Right. Yeah, it's like... I'm not sure he tried that hard, though, but that's No, okay. he didn't, and I don't even remember if he even said... Well, he didn't even say... He didn't attempt to say it in the same way, which, point, kudos to him, because it wouldn't have pulled it off. Right. <clears throat> but Agent Smith is not particularly memorable in this film at all, which is a problem. Uh, good actor. Can't even remember his name. Don't even care, because... It doesn't there are matter. only three people. There are only three people that you watch in this in this film. Only three: Carrie Ann Moss, Keanu Reeves, and Neil Patrick Harris. Those are the only three people worth watching in this movie. They, to me, made it worthwhile. This movie what? should have been an hour Wasn't and a half. Wasn't Peter Smith? <laughs> I like her as an actress, but the character is not interesting. No. None of the other characters. All the characters, new characters they introduced. Did you care about those characters? Absolutely not. No. They're just window dressing. They're plot devices. And I get that you need plot devices, but cut about an hour out of this movie. It's a much better film. Is it worth watching? Yeah, especially since it's on HBO Max. You can watch for nothing. But yeah, uh, it's not really disappointing because I didn't really. It's better than I expected, honestly. I expected a train wreck. So for my expectations, it's not disappointing. Uh, but honestly, they should have just ignored the, the, the first and second sequels and just made a direct sequel from the original. That would have been a much better film. But they chose not to. Oh, well, it's still worth watching. It's still fun. It, it has its moments. And I, as much as I don't really want to do this, I am going to say it's probably not a bad idea to watch the second Matrix movie. Which true? Which which one was that? Was that Reloaded or it was Reloaded? Um, it's reloaded, yeah. Because uh, just so you get an idea of who the Merovingian is, right? And so you can watch the because it, it's still an excellent action scene at the end of the Merovingian in the restaurant through the truck crash is an yeah. incredible action sequence. The rest of the movie was kind of. Oh, but <laughs> I think it's worth it for that one sequence. Uh, anyway, moving on a bit, because we do have something I think that's going to be a little bit special to get to. 
right after the one news story we have this week. Did you see the 2022 Golden Globe Awards? No, you didn't. Uh, And I loved this because there was no ceremony. There was no press. There was no red carpet. There was no speeches. There was a list of winners and that's it. My kind of award ceremony. Um, (laughs) I will kind of throw out a confusion thing that I don't understand with with these award ceremonies is why are musicals and comedies in the same category? Because, because they're not have, dramas. <laughs> That's the only reason. Well, no, I mean, it, it doesn't separate that because otherwise you're going to have Les Miserables in the same category as Clue. Yep. And, you know, Clue is a brilliant comedic movie up against a film that's actually called The Miserables. And you, no, apples and oranges here, people. It, it, they need to be separate categories. That's just my thinking. Well, Probably. to their credit, to their credit, they're at least trying to make a distinction, and they're not putting in everything against everything. So, because their, their reasoning is that comedies never get their due. Because they always go up against the heavy hitting dramas and comedies never get that. So, okay, so comedies have a chance. But if you're going to do it, I agree. It's like, for one thing, you really should put musicals back in with the dramas because most musicals are dramas. They're not comedies. Less miserables. You know, but it would make more sense. Go ahead and break it out one more time. You might as well if you're going to do it. But But that brings us to... The 2022 F7 Shoe, the Reviews Are In Entertainment Awards. That's right. We've got our own awards for what happened last year, which is kind of weird. They should be the 2021 awards because the 2022 awards sounds like we're giving awards to movies that aren't out yet because it's January still. Anyway. Why are the 2021 awards? But okay. We'll call them the 2021 awards. 2020. <laughs> Anyway, brought to you by Hugh Downs and Barbara Walters. Because why not? (laughs) Let's start off with the most disappointing movie of 2021. Now, this category includes films that, you know, we we look if we looked at it and said that looks like it's going to be crap. We didn't include it because, you know, it includes things like Thunder Force. We looked at that and went. It's going to be a crap movie, but these looked like they could be promising. And the nominees are Infinite, because it felt that long. Malignant, because it kind of felt that way. And Summer of Soul. Now, Summer of Soul has been on a lot of critics' best of lists, and it is the premise is awesome. I mean, basically, it's concert. It's a concert film from the '60s of iconic black acts. The problem I have with it, which no one for some reason has mentioned, and maybe it got better uh, as it continues, but I turned it off after 20 minutes because they're showing these fantastic acts, and then they stop in the middle of the songs to comment about the acts or about the the, the song itself. It's like. If you're going to do a concert film, you don't interrupt the song. What the hell are you doing? So <laughs> maybe they stopped that after. But after I had the third act and they talked over it. No, thanks. That's not how you. What the hell are you doing? That was ridiculous. 
that was disappointing to me. It's like, uh, maybe if you just present the damn songs and talk in between, that would be great. Okay, try doing that next time. I mean, my God, just unbelievable. Infinite, nice premise, lousy execution. Just, I'm not even going to bother talking about it anymore. It was just disappointing. Got a lot of hype, blah, blah, blah. Malignant also has gotten a lot of big critical responses. Like, oh, what a great movie. And then there's a couple of just jaw-droppingly stupid moments. Like, oh, the woman's driving along in bright daytime and she pulls up and it's the middle of the night, like 15 minutes later. Just some... Just bad, bad filmmaking decisions. But for me, it's Summer of Soul because they had tremendous source material and they talked over the performances. Like, yeah. Don't do that. I would much rather hear Jimi Hendrix playing than hearing you talking about Jimi Hendrix playing while he's playing. What the hell are you doing? (laughs) I am going to throw out an honorable mention to the Mortal Kombat movie. Now, we, we know it's a video game movie, and therefore it is more, like, more than likely to gonna turn out going to turn out to be crap. Um, but the commercial made a good screensaver. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Best well, I'll, TV, I'll, I'll, sorry. I'll, let, me, let me add about Mortal Kombat, though. Oh, they ahead. added a brand new character for no reason, because there's only like how many, how many playable characters are there in the Mortal Kombat series? Like uh, 10,000? 673. <laughs> And they, they add in a brand new character that nobody's invested in, and they give you no reason to invest in him during the film. So, horrible choice. Absolutely. Moving on to Best TV Show. And your nominees are Squid Game, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and WandaVision. And frankly, I think we're going to have to choose WandaVision with this. Absolutely. Mainly because... it. Not because it was the first Disney Plus MCU show, but because they told us it's going to be something very important for upcoming Marvel things, and they delivered on it. They made it relevant. They made it important. And here's an interesting concept. They made it good. (laughs) Not saying that the other two aren't good. The other two are really good shows. But this one was... Kind of a Concord moment in, in, in some TV stuff because they so tied it in with their movie franchise. And I'm looking forward to seeing more stuff that more stuff like it. They took they took so many risks. I mean, I really like Squid Game. I really like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is Captain America and the Winter Soldier now. But yeah. WandaVision took so many risks the way they formatted it. I mean, they start out with a parody of a 50s TV show, and uh, people were watching it and going, what the hell is this? That took incredible stones on the part of Marvel because nobody expected that. Nobody expected that. They did not play by the rules whatsoever, and it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Moving on to most entertaining picture, not best picture. That's a different thing, but most entertaining picture of the year. Very big difference between those. And our nominees are Free Guy, The Harder They Fall, and Spider Home, No Way Far Man. No, Spider Man, No no, Far From. Jesus, I hate these titles. Spider Man, Far From Home. (laughs) 
Spider home, this, no way, man. Anyway. This is, <laughs> this is, to me, this is really difficult because I love Spider-Man Far From Home because it ties in decades, literally decades of the Spider-Man franchise. Ties into the MCU, moves the MCU forward. And the most biggest point, of course, it's extremely fun. But for me, the I'm going to make it just not on this list. Hmm. Yeah, amazing. But to me, I'm going to give it for, to Free Guy because Free Guy, completely original, came out of nowhere. Brilliant concept. The concept is an NPC in a video game gains sentience. What would he do? Ryan Reynolds knocks it out of the park in this role. He is absolutely hilarious. So many funny premises that they pulled off on this one. I, just because they had to create this from nothing, I'm going to give it to Free Guy because that movie is absolutely hilarious. The Harder They Fall is a brilliant, brilliant Western based on actual people who live back in the West. Pays homage to a lot of uh, black Americans, which people typically don't think of as like, what, they existed in the West, weren't they slaves? It's like, yeah, they, uh, they existed and they played other roles other than slaves. Super entertaining film, but for me, it's going to be Free Guy. Moving on to biggest surprise movie. This would be a movie that we looked at and went, that sounds like a bad idea, but you know what? Turned out not to be. And your nominations are Being the Ricardos, Jungle Cruise, and Werewolves Within. And as much as Jungle Cruise may have had the Disney backing and the budget, we've got to give this to Werewolves Within. It is a an independent movie that is very, very much in the same vein as Clue in that it's a, it's not quite a parody, but it, it is a comic version of a horror film, except it's not done comically. It's one of those things you're going to have to watch this film. It is, it, it's got a great cast of people you're mostly never going to have heard of. But you can look at and go, hey, that's the dude from this or that's the woman from that. Whatever. It's got a great ensemble cast. It's got a very fun premise. It was a very enjoyable movie. And for something that had such a low budget that I, to my knowledge, was released only on the uh, what IFC. I forgot what IFC stands for. Um, this was a great film. Uh, and, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not knocking Jungle Cruise, which turned out to be a jungle version of The Mummy, uh, the, the 1999 Brendan Fraser <laughs> Mummy, which was fun. Um, fun. And being the Ricardos sounded like it could have been really good. And it was. Well, it sounded kind of odd because uh, I didn't really think a, a uh, the Lucille Ball story, which has been told a lot, frankly, would be uh, – a good topic for yet another film, but it turned out to be another good topic for yet another film. So it's really, really good. Good on them. But I, I've got to give this to werewolves within. Totally agree. I mean, that's one of those things that, cause it just comes out of nowhere. I mean, being the Ricardos is like a prestige product, you know? So if it, if it was executed correctly, then I mean, an Aaron Sorkin film being good, that's not a surprise. <laughs> you know, so yeah. 
it could have been terrible, but it wasn't, which was great. Jungle Cruise, eh, you know, again, from the Disney machine and with those actors involved, it, it's surprising that they pulled it off as well as they did. But Werewolves in and just for something to come out of absolutely nowhere like that. Well, and I'll throw another thing into it. And it kind of goes back to Mortal Kombat. Did you know it's based on a video game? I did know that. But that's really bizarre, right? <laughs> I, I didn't because I've, I've actually seen that video game and I had purged it from my head because it is horrible. It is a horrible video. It's a spectacular movie. It's a horrible video game. So how this came about, I have no idea. So now we move on to the big three awards, starting with our best actor and best actress. Now, I would like to point out that we do not do a supporting actor award because for us, there's no difference in them, really. I mean, our premise here is that Heath Ledger was the best thing in The Dark Knight, but got the award for supporting actor, question mark. No, best overall actor in a particular film or TV series. We've got those as well. We'll start with Best Actress. Our nominees are Haley Steinfeld for Hawkeye, Elizabeth Olsen in WandaVision, Kate Blanchett in Nightmare Alley, and Miliana Vaynatrub. I apologize for butchering your name for Werewolves Within. You know who's getting this is the AT&T girl, Miliana Vaynatrub. Va- <laughs> Her, the AT&T girl. Mine thread. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are times when I would love to see a pronunciation key somewhere. I have mentioned <laughs> this many times before. There are a lot of names where I look at and go, yeah, I don't, I've got nothing. Sorry. And she's one of them. I love her as an actress, though. And that's kind of odd because the only thing I knew her for before this was the AT&T commercials. But now that I've seen her in this... Holy crap, she can act, and she's damn good at it. The character she played in this film was similar to AT&T Girl, in a way, in that she you know, she seems nice and perky at, for a while, but has, <laughs> some, has a lot of other qualities to it that made the character she played really interesting, and it was fun. And it's... You know, a biggest surprise actress, too, because I wasn't expecting this. And yet here she is. She did a damn good job. I'm proud of her. I'd love to see her in more stuff. Going against some heavy hitters, for sure. Exactly. But, uh, you know, I figure she's she's not going to get much love from other people. So, damn it, we're giving her an award. Agreed. And and as we've said before, uh, she probably won't get the role because she doesn't look it, but she's a little old for Squirrel Girl. But, oh, my God, she would be so perfect as Squirrel Girl. If they make her Squirrel Woman, she would be absolutely perfect. <laughs> but she's, what, 37, I think, which is which is young, but Squirrel which Girl she does, is... She does not is, she doesn't look it. No, 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 no. Not I was expecting, you know, looked her up expecting, expecting the first digit to be a two. <laughs> oh, yeah. But Squirrel Girl is a kid, right? So that's, yeah, she's, that's the only issue. I think she's like 16. That's what I was thinking, 16. So she, she can't really play 16. But then again, make, make Squirrel Girl older and cast this woman because she would be fantastic. So good, so good. Are we moving on to Best Actor? 
Moving on to best actor. Best actor we have Bradley Cooper for Nightmare Alley, Benedict Cumberbatch for Power of the Dog, and Lakeith Stanfield for The Harder They Fall. And Clint Eastwood. Oh, sorry. Yes, sorry. I erased that part. Sorry, Clint. Again, again, we have some heavy hitters here. And uh, I'm going to give it to a person who normally would get a supporting nod because Benedict Cumberbatch, absolutely the star of Power of the Dog, Bradley Cooper, star of Nightmare Alley, both amazing, wonderful. Cumberbatch will probably win the Oscar. But the F7 shoe is going to go to Mr. Lakeith Stanfield. He is... He's a terrific actor. He is incredible in The Harder They Fall. He basically plays the Johnny Ringo role, if there was a Johnny Ringo role. Uh, God, he is so good. He's, he's, he's arrogant without overplaying it. He's smug without overplaying it. He portrays this absolute confidence as a gunfighter who knows he's good without being a caricature of that role. I mean, he's, he is absolutely terrific. And he still has that kind of natural charm that he has at the same time. He, he is absolutely terrific. Think of, think of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and Robert Redford as Sundance. It's like, that's Lakeith Stanfield, except Lakeith Stanfield's better in this. And again, it's just a supporting role, but he is... If you haven't seen The Heart of the All, it's on Netflix. Idris Elba stars, has a great cast, but Keith Stanfield just knocks it out of the freaking park. He's terrific. That brings us to Best Picture. And we've Best got more picture. than just three or four nominations here. We, got, we have a good, pretty good list, I think. <clears throat> the nominees for Best Picture. Werewolves Within, Nightmare Alley. The Beatles, Get Back, Ghostbusters Afterlife, The Green Knight, Dune, and The Power of the Dog. And the winner is... Now this one, I think we're both going to have to name our own winners, because I don't know that we're going to agree. We could. This was really, really difficult for me. Uh... I'll just say my runner-up was Dune, but I'm going to go with The Power of the Dog. Just absolutely brilliant. And Westerns have made, and granted this is more of a modern Western, it's set in the 20s, as in the 1920s, not the 1820s. But Westerns have made a huge, huge comeback just over the past decade. But The Power of the Dog is such a good film about the conflict uh, between a rancher and the wife of the rancher's brother, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch playing the rancher. Kristen Chiclet Teeth uh, plays the wife. It's just so, so well done. And just kind of the, the long-term game played by the son of his brother's wife and Cumberbatch. And it's just so phenomenally good. This is one of those films that have been released at the theaters because it's a drama. Probably would have made about $15 million because no one is going to the movies to see dramas. 
So they probably are lucky that this was a directed Netflix thing, but I really loved The Power of the Dog. Tremendously good film. And I mean, any of these nominees were awesome, awesome films. Absolutely. Your choice was? Um, my choice, and I I have to go with this, and it, this is kind of weird for me because I was expecting it to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to have to give it to Dune. Yeah, I had a feeling. Because for good I, reason. Yeah, I mean, it's a spectacular movie. The problem with it in my head coming into this this award thing was that when, when it was first announced, I said, I hope they don't screw it up. And I saw the trailers and I said, I hope they don't screw it up because I love this story. I think it's great. I want to see more of it. And then it came out. And quite frankly, I went into it expecting – I mean, I, I like going into movies – expecting to be disappointed that way if i'm not it's even better i went in expecting to be absolutely gutted by this film because i was just expecting them to go yeah we put all the good stuff in the trailer the rest of it is gonna look like i don't know cats you know (laughs) yeah yeah, because they never do that. They never put all the good stuff or the only good stuff in the trailers, right? I'm like, oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I, when I saw this film, they didn't screw it up. Yeah. And they, they, it's, it's not just they didn't screw it up. They even made it better than my expectations of what I wanted were. It is a spectacular movie. I don't care if it's part one of two. And, yeah, that's – and, and I think the big complaint I heard about it was they picked a weird place for them to stop. No, they didn't. They picked a stopping point and went, oh, that's our exit. We'll spend the night here and come back and, and you know, pick up where we left off. That's a perfect It's a stopping stop. point. That's where you needed to stop it. Stop it there. <laughs> they did. Good. How hard is that? Um, yeah, it was beautifully acted by, I believe, everybody. There, there wasn't anyone that I went oh, we could have done without that person. You know, like Jada Pinkett Smith in the Matrix movies. I could have done without her. (laughs) I'm I'm not really meaning to diss on her as much as I have been. You're saying Will Smith's going to be knocking on your door, dude. Hey, Will wants to come over, man. Come on. (laughs) I will will ask him, what the hell were you thinking? That's actually what I will ask him. Um, I'm just... I'm just saying about about Wild Wild West. Let's just, about Wild Wild let's West. I don't know what. Anyway, yeah, we'll Dune. Dune was a spectacular movie, and I'm I'm glad it's available at home. That way, you don't have to go to a theater because uh, the COVID stuff is still out there. It's getting worse because people thought, oh, I've been vaccinated, I can stop wearing a mask. No, no, you can't. You need need to still wear masks. If you haven't been vaccinated, for Christ's sake, get up and go get it done. They're, they do not make little microchips to track you or track you with. It's, if they want to track you, they'll use your phone. And why do you, are you really important enough for them to want to track individually? No, they don't need to do that. Not that you're not important, but they don't need to track you. Go get a damn shot. You know, even if you do have your shot, wear your mask, and if if you have to get out, otherwise, stay home and watch a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. 
Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. Dorn, that's the end.